Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. Previous segment, we talked about sprinkler types, the connections that can or should be used, and we talked about the do's and don'ts associated with sprinkler systems. This segment, I want to talk about the sprinkler timer box itself, the sizing lines and pressure, so you can sound intelligent about that, and then how to advise and counsel the homeowner on how best to use their sprinkler box to create a green lawn without wasting any more water and money than they have to. So it's been surprising to me over time. Sprinkler boxes are something that I've always just gotten. I thought they were fairly simple, especially the ones that are more recently designed because it just kind of makes sense once you understand what they're looking for. But as I look around, I find that much of my family and a lot of my friends consider those timer boxes to be something of a black magic. And as a home inspector, of course, in addition to knowing everything about every other subject, you are also inspected to be able to walk up to any sprinkler timer box and know what's going on and know how to use it. And, of course, each of those timer boxes can be very different. Some of them are broken, and if you're not comfortable enough with every possible combination of sprinkler boxes out there, the broken ones are going to make you look like you don't know what you're doing. Of course, I can't give you a training on every possible box, but I can give you some background on what the box is expecting and how to manage that. So, at the risk, again, of telling you what may be obvious... Any timer box and everyone is going to expect the following information. It's going to want to know what the date and time is. Now, some of the older ones just have this little lever or, I don't know, a dial where you just say, okay, line one, I want 20 minutes, and then you click it one more notch and maybe it's 30. You know, there are those. For the ones that are a little bit more advanced, to use perhaps the wrong term, they're going to want to know what the date and time is. And they do that so that, that you can program the next item, which is the start date and the start time. So if you tell the box that today is January 1, 2000, then it's going to know what today is. It's, I don't know what January 1, 2000 was, but maybe it was a Monday. And so then on the next step where you say, all right, I want to water Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, then it knows to begin the water cycle tomorrow. So, again, very obvious stuff. The next thing it's going to want to know is, all right, we've got maybe six lines, and it's going to want to know how much time on each of those six lines. I've seen where a lot of homeowners will actually go 10 minutes every day. Terrible choice for a number of reasons. One is that water, that's a lot of water waste because a lot of the water just goes to the surface and then in the summertime, when you only have a 10-minute watering period, the water is only going to be on the surface. That means the roots are on the surface. So when it's hot, that water is going to evaporate quickly. The lawn's going to look terrible. So what you need to do is water longer, less often, and then the water goes down into the soil, and then the roots, of course, follow it. And then you've got a much better-looking lawn for less money and less water use. So you want to mention that to the clients. When you see that is that you want to go basically three times a week. If we're really wanting to be a hero, you can actually train your lawn to go twice a week. 
It is a little bit more difficult, again, depending on your climate, to get the lawn to look good, but it will stay alive and be reasonably healthy if you water correctly twice a week. Now, seasonal adjustments, that's one of those things where if you set it, let's say in May, just when the watering season begins, you might want to go maybe, let's say, 30, 40 minutes in a particular area. If you don't want to be changing that watering time every month, then what you can do is a lot of boxes will have a seasonal adjustment where you just say, all right, let's go 120%. So what it will do is it will say, all right, line three is set for 30 minutes and the seasonal adjustment is maybe 20%. So it just does the multiplication and does that uh, particular line for 36 minutes, which is a 20% increase. So you can adjust the entire system with that seasonal adjustment. When it gets into August, you can go higher than that. When it gets into September, you can go lower than that. Maybe you go down to 70 or 60%. So that's the seasonal adjustment is for. Now, one of your favorite buttons as a home inspector is going to be the manual on. And sometimes, again, on the extremely old system, you have to turn the knob down to manual off and then back up to a particular time. Some of the more modern timer boxes, and again, depending on the quality of the box, sometimes you can just hit manual on and it's going. You get line one. And then as you can just go through the rest of the system by hitting next. In other cases, you actually have to turn the dial actually to line one and then hit manual on and then line one is going. Those are more annoying to me because then when you want to go line two, you have to turn everything back off again. Then you turn the dial to line two and hit manual on and, and you go through the entire system that way. But that manual on is going to be your friend. Sometimes, again, depending on your choice, you might be able to just do a manual test where you can set each line to go for one minute, and then you just follow the system around. So one thing you can do as the home inspector, in addition to being prepared to run any box, you can add value to your clients by basically not only managing the box and testing the sprinkler system, but showing them how to do it. These are the sorts of things that gain a lot of loyalty to you, result in very positive feedback from the clients to the realtor, and it will be the realtor that then is more than happy to keep referring you to not only their own clients, but other friends of theirs who happen to be realtors. It's a great way to build your business. Again, that's how you get phone calls that are orders instead of phone calls where they want to be sold on why they want to use you and they want you to to basically justify your fee. Trust me, those are very annoying phone calls after you've been in the business for a number of years. So make sure you understand the timer box. Make sure that your clients understand the timer box after you are done. Next subject I want to cover is your sprinkler lines themselves. Now, in many cases, these are not going to be visible, but sometimes you can see them maybe in the valve box, and you just want to have this in your hip pocket so that you can talk knowledgeably about those as well. There's a couple of different types of PVC lines. Now, way back in the day, they used brass or galvanized plumbing for sprinkler lines, and of course, those are trash. And 
you know, if you see that, those, those just need to be redone because if they still work, they work poorly. It's guaranteed. But for now, we're going to assume that the type of material used is PVC. Depending on the number of areas that are being served by any single line, usually you want to go a minimum sort of a line is going to be three-quarter inch, and you want to see that be Schedule 40. Now, Schedule 40 and 200 are the most common types of PVC. It's interesting because the Schedule 40 is the smaller number, but it can handle a much higher PSI rating. Schedule 200 is the thin crap that really nobody should ever use in a sprinkler line because pretty much anything goes wrong at all. A little bit of freezing, maybe a little bit of pressure from a lawnmower running over the slightest of touches from maybe a shovel or who knows what else, and that PVC is toast. So you want to recommend that people go with Schedule 40. Again, three-quarter inch Schedule 40 is pretty much a minimum. If you're helping somebody design a system or if you want to suggest to them how to get more water to a larger number of sprinklers to a bigger area, then you'll want to consider suggesting to them that maybe they go with one inch or an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. Two inches would be usually is shooting an ant with a cannon, and that might be overdoing it. But inch and a half is very beefy, and the interior flow diameter is considerably larger than, of course, the three-quarter. It's not just double. It's, I want to say, four times that. And again, that's because of the mathematical formula about the area of a circle being proportional to twice the diameter. As a homeowner goes up a little bit, they're getting a lot more delivery capacity. As you mentioned, that sort of a thing, again, it makes you look knowledgeable on a number of subjects, and so you want to just have that in your hip pocket. How many heads on a line? That's not something that you can immediately suggest because often you don't know what the water pressure is. If there's a secondary system, it may be a different pressure than the primary system. Primary is the drinking water. Secondary would be a separate system meant only for exterior irrigation. In other words, watering the lawn. So you don't know that. And... A lot will also depend on how large an area is being served and whether you've got rotor heads or whether you have fixed spray heads. But as a general rule, you really don't want to have more than about six rotor heads on a single line, and you don't want to have more than about twice that of the fixed spray heads on a single line under normal conditions. Now, if pressures go way up and if diameters go way up, then you might be okay with a few more than that, but those are general numbers. Okay, we're going to wrap this segment up. We're going to talk in the next segment about how to make the lawn healthy so that you can advise your client that way and other tips and techniques that will make you just look good so that you get more orders and fewer calls where they basically want to get the cheap guy and hopefully you're not that person. All right, service is king. Take care of your clients. Be honest with them, even if it's painful. And go out there, make me proud. <laughs>